subject to this in Ace Attorney Fancast. I'm Stephanie. She blinded me with science and formaldehyde and 500 scaffolds. I'm Michelle, and my Halloween basket is only protected if I can prove that it did in fact have razor blades in it that cut someone. If it doesn't have razor blades in it, then everybody gets to dive into my Halloween basket. That's the law. That is the law that we will discuss in much detail later in this episode. But first, Michelle, the news. Um, Happy 20th anniversary, Stephanie. In honor of the 20th anniversary, uh, Ace Attorney has turned 21. It's now the 21st anniversary. (laughs) Happy anniversary, Ace Attorney. (laughs) Happy 21st anniversary, Ace Attorney. And now I can say in honor of the 21st anniversary, whenever any dumb shit happens. That's true. We finally finally made it. Uh, Did they release any dumb shit? Oh, no. I... uh, (laughs) Konami stopped making Pachinko games to make some Silent Hill stuff. That's the big news uh, this, yes. this October. But uh, no, Ace Attorney, as far as I know, hasn't done shit for their 20th anniversary. Uh, they just had it. They're they are 21. <laughs> they are 21. Congratulations. Have a drink on me. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, we got a lot to get through in this episode. So happy birthday to Ace Attorney. Happy birthday. Anyone who doesn't want gag spoilers, leave now. We're going to cover the new gag, the, the second to last case in gag two. So goodbye. We love you. Happy 21st. Which is to say we still have two cases after this case. What the fuck? No. I thought it was going to be one. No. No. Frere, no. I can't believe you've done this to me. <laughs> this is the day of the 21st anniversary. I was, I was so close and you ripped it away. Well, now let me double check this. Oh, fuck you. Fuck you. I'm so sorry. Let me double check this before I'm a, before. No, yeah, girl, there's two left. Oh, no. So sorry. This case felt like a fourth case because it was so long. We alley-ooped straight into what I thought would be the final, like a finale case. But no. No, the alley-oop was a lie. What are we going to go fucking have Soseki back? I will straight <laughs> Well, let's get into it. All right. (laughs) Stephanie is recapping this time, but Michelle is going to interrupt copiously, I hope. I'm going to try to save you from talking for two hours. But at the same time, the level of workload, unfortunately, this time is you've got way too long of notes. And instead of write down character descriptions, I just took screenshots on my Switch and I will be doing it live. <laughs> because that's how hard it was to get through this. I actually didn't hate this case as no. much as I'm playing it up right now, but let's go. Let's go. All right. So this is Grace Attorney Resolve, which is the second game. Case three, The Great Departed Soul. Um, so we start this like really, uh, we're talking about the expo. We're finally here at the Great Exposition. Uh, we have this old-timey description. We see a scientist man. He's talking about the power of steam and this rich dandy's waving around to the crowd on top of this high stage. So they're very much setting the scene. And he's going to demo this kinesiology machine or whatever. And the dandy walks into the machine and in, in, in an instant he'll arrive later at the crystal tower behind the audience. So of course he flips the switch and knobs, boop, boop, boop. It all turns to smoke. And we smash cut over to uh, Shlom Suite. So... <laughs> 
big si- science explosion thing happening, and they were like, "Yeah, fucking big explosion." This is this is where I turned to Tony and I said, "This literally happened in a Professor Layton game. This is how the Professor Layton the last time travel starts." But now we go on to Ryu isn't listening to Iris and. And they're like, you just seem down, Reno, Runo, whatever she calls him. And then Herlock is even more down. Uh, but he, he's just really grumpy because he wants to be at the exposition, but he has to work a case or something. Uh, and then he goes ahead and insults um, insults our hair again. And then says, like, I haven't seen you. Or like, we just ate breakfast together. So Herlock has not, not got his wits about him. Yeah. This feels like seven years ago, me playing this part, by the way. I, it also feels like seven years ago for me, even though we both played it this month in the second half of this month. Oh, happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. <laughs> um, but yeah, the time dilation is real with the yeah. start of this case. It just feels like a long time ago. So we are being reminded Rio has been banned for court for the last six months since the last case happened. And we finally figure out, like, why he kept saying that is because that was his punishment from the Gina case, where we told that temp, that crazy, like, our our assistant tempered with evidence in the Gina case, and therefore we could not practice law for the last six months. See, I didn't think it was a punishment for Susato. I thought it was punishment for the Magnus McGilded case when we knew that our client was lying, and well, then... That- but we did anyway, and then that was revealed in the Gina case. Right. So that was the part that we are punished for. But oh, we're okay. also... The way they phrased it made it sound like it was also Susato, who just isn't here anymore. So, but right. yeah, for lying and for tempering and all this shit. So Rio wants to go to Strongheart to see if we can reconsider. It's been a full six months. So uh, Herlock has to go do his, his business. Um, and Iris is like, I really want to go to the expo. And I want to ride in a hot air balloon and watch people's experiments blow up. And Herlock is like, mm, I can't go. So he looks at um, he looks at the newspaper and he goes, oh, by the way, did you know Von Zeeks was attacked with guns? Somebody, somebody tried to stab Von Zeeks in the street. No, they tried to shoot him. They tried to yeah. shoot him, yeah. <laughs> I wrote down people with guns. So apparently they tried to shoot him. Um, so he's apparently often attacked by groups of leaders because of the whole reaper situation so rio's like oh my god i need to know von zeke's okay but only strongheart would know and her her luck's like only strongheart will know and so iris is like i'm gonna i'm gonna change and come with you michelle would you like to say what iris changes (laughs) into is this is the worst thing that ever happened to me (laughs) Uh, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me iris is so cute before with her little steampunk ass. I get it. Like, it's a steampunk Lolita look. But she puts on, like, a purple overcoat. And that's not the bad part. And the purple overcoat is fine and unremarkable. And she's got, like, purple gloves now that are much like her previous gloves. But she puts this fucking hat on underneath her goggles. And the hat is a uh, flight. Like, think of, like, an Amelia Earhart flying leather hat except make it purple and then give it two giant fucking balloons on each side of her head where the sailor moon hair would be and when i say giant i mean almost the entire size of her head each side fully fully mickey mouse silhouette going on here it looks Um, like when a kid puts a their mom's bra on their head. On their head. This is, and it's I wrote down, like looks gold, like a bra. It has some gold filigree on the sides of the bubbles or whatever, on the cups. But, like, uh, ultimately, I saw this and I, like, had to stand up and pace the room. 
It was she texted I, me immediately. I did. This was this was <laughs> do, an immediate text was necessary for this one. Nobody warned me. I'm gonna have to kill Kevin too because they didn't warn me. <laughs> I do a lot <laughs> everyone. Of- all of you, every single one of you listeners who emailed us and was like, "But the second game is gonna be better." Didn't mention <laughs> that Iris's outfit gets progressively worse. Like actually, literally, way worse. Like so much worse. I unforgivable. I can't believe it. you have to take your favorite piece of Halloween candy and throw it in the trash <laughs> as punishment. <laughs> I can't believe this has happened to me. I'm looking at it again, and I don't. I wish I wasn't looking at it. It's so bad. It's rough. It's rough. Um. All right. So she's like, "Take me to the expo." And we're like, "We're going to the Supreme Court." And she goes, "Oh, and right, I'm right. like, I literally can't take you anywhere, <laughs> <laughs> young lady. You <laughs> go change. You take that bra off your head immediately." <laughs> and she's like, "Fine, I'll go to the Supreme Court with you." And then the expo. And we're like, "Fine." So. Uh, we go, we go to Strongheart's office and we know he's super busy and apparently he's super behind schedule by like days or hours or whatever. Uh, and so he, uh, he's the, the, apparently the police have a very strong presence at the exposition and the forensic science symposium is going to start in the month and he's very, very excited about it. So we're like, that's great. Wonderful. Can we have our job back? And then we're like, oh, Kazuma. And then Starcard's like, uh, yeah, Kazuma's real mission. Remember how you don't know what that is? And we're like, yeah, what? He's like, never mind. Bye. Have fun with your license. You can have it back. Well, I wish he said never mind. Bye. But he lectures us for four hours. He does. He lectures for four hours on the science expo. And then he also gives us a case immediately because he's yes. so busy. So he gives us a case of Adi Osman. Uh, and some oh, sort no, no, no. Oh. This guy's name is Odie Asman. So uh, the pun here is odious man, but I called him Mr. Asman the entire time. I've been calling him Osman, so it was completely lost on So me. <laughs> odious man, uh, Mr. Asman, Odie Asman. Odie Asman. And then um, that, ger- that scientist from the beginning, that German scientist with the... He, him. Uh, his name is Albert Harebrain, and he was the Red Rain experiment, and because it exploded... And Odie over there died. Mr. Asman died. Um, He's been charged for murder. Uh, Apparently, Asman was a public investigator, uh, investor, but he actually is also a big crime syndicate member. Uh, So apparently he was prosecuted a month ago by Van Zeeks and and got away because he bribed the jury. Uh, And then he was, you know. Reapered. Reapered by apparently Hairbrain. Uh, he's Reaper though. And so, um, we're like, oh my God, is, that's right, Von Zeeks. So <laughs> we're like, uh, uh, Von Zeeks, is he okay? And he's like, I don't know, go check on him. He's fine. He's fine. Go look at him. So we get to go to Von Zeeks' office, which, side note, the man stopped practicing law for five years and then he comes back and gets this office? <laughs> I mean, it's, Holy shit. he must have, he must have never stopped having this office. But, like, who gives this man, a prosecutor, an office and no one gets to use it for five years? So this room... He must have had another job or something. I don't know. So just the gist, this room is freaking huge. There's a huge, like, full-wall painting of a man on the wall. Chalices, casks of wine. Casks of wine that go so far into the distance you can't see where they end. If you click on the doorway to their bats fly out. It's a little fun Easter egg. I did like the bats. Um, so 
anyway, because he's a vampire. <laughs> right. That's probably why he can't legal his his dirt his burial dirt is here. Those are his vampire friends. Um, uh, so anyway, we get there. We also see this apprentice person like sitting in the room, like with his back to us. Um, uh, yeah, he's just wearing a cloak. He's got some white sleeves he, and he's wearing a white mask that's got a pointy nose. Yeah. Um, so anyway, Vadzik's like, what do you want? Yes, I'm mortal, but you know, it's, I'm okay. I survived the attack. The newspaper kind of like made a big deal about it. Um, and, uh, he's like, I would also like to know who the Reaper is because I am not killing people. People just call me the Reaper and that's my moniker and crime's gone down for it. So like, I guess it's a win-win. But whatever, that's- Also that big portrait in my office of a guy who looks almost exactly like me, but apparently more handsome. Uh, that's a family member. Yes. And then, so Rio's just like, I was worried about you. Um, we also- more accurately, Rio's like, I was worried about you. Who is this man? <laughs> who is your assistant who I've pegged instantly? And he's just like, that's my apprentice. He doesn't speak. Uh-huh. Uh, let's see. What what else did I write here? Okay. Um, uh, I guess Oh, he's also got strict orders to wear the mask and not talk. Uh, Rio seems to recognize him based on his good posture and casual demeanor. At this point, I went back to the newspaper article to see whether the apprentice in the newspaper article was wielding a katana or not. He is not. He's not. Um, anyway, so we're like, hey, we also were in charge of this case. And he's like, oh, I went to school with that man. And we're like, Von Zeke says friends? And he goes, yeah, shut up. Um, anyway, so we basically leave Von Zeke because he doesn't want to talk to us anymore. And we go to the Crystal Tower, where we learn Gina is now Gregson's apprentice. And he's allowed to be a detective again after Gina's case. So she's not dying in prison or from the Reaper's Curse. Good job, Gina. Good job, Gina. Now she has plaid accents on all her clothes, but otherwise looks exactly the same. Yes, but she's hella cute and happy now. She's very cute. She loves her job. She loves she loves her badge. She lo- girl loves to flash a badge, just in Ace Attorney fashion. Uh, okay, so we also are like, oh yeah, Natsume's, uh, Soseki's uh, safe from the Reaper's Curse. Cool, isn't, uh, too. Isn't that cool? Um, and so we're like, all right, we're gonna go investigate now. And they're like, no, sorry, no one's allowed to investigate the machine except for the forensic investigation team. This is a huge thing of the case. Um... But what we do learn is that the cage that Assman was yeeted into the Crystal Tower, and so it was technically a success. And we're like, okay, well, can we go upstairs and not touch? We go upstairs and not touch anything. Uh, and they keep yelling at us not touch anything because the Forensic Science Act means that if a scientist presents an idea to some civil servants and gets approved, the rights to maintain the invention can be kept confidential. If any investigation, if if any invention at the exposition is demonstrated and shows promise, they can get a research grant from the government. Um, Gregson's like, these guys are all shams and the cops are going to have to be present. And he's just grumpy. And he he he, he keeps saying, hang science. Um, so basically, we're not allowed to touch anything because it's protected by the government. Um, so we... 
Oh, I, I, so something that kept happening to me in this game is I kept doing things in the wrong order. So, um, I was going to say, so like, we're not allowed to touch anything, but we do find some, like quite a bit of evidence here, which maybe, maybe that was what you found out of order, but we find the noteworthy ones are, we find a screwdriver that's A-shaped lodged in the, the, um, uh, scientific machine. And then downstairs we find a piece of ripped cloth that has a rubber coating on one side. The cloth is green. And then we find a fucking crossbow. Yeah, we've got a whole ass fucking crossbow. <laughs> a full um, ass fucking crossbow. Uh, I don't, I think, so my game kind of glitched because I was not able to go back downstairs oh, from really? the stage. Until you like found the, a screwdriver or mm-hmm. something? No, I had to save and quit. <laughs> oh my god, really? Like, I, 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 the reason, my notes, I had to leave and go back downstairs, which had the Baron in a Barbie pose. Freaky. I don't remember this happening, but this is the note I wrote. The Baron? Baron Von Zeeks was there? I don't know. See, that's the thing. I don't know what I, I think, oh, I had to leave. So that's what I did. I couldn't even save. I had to, like, travel to a different location, and Baron was stuck in a weird pose, so I went back to his office, and he was oh. in a weird, like, a weird pose, and then I was able to go back to the- I went back to the Crystal Tower, and then it put me back downstairs. Damn, dude. You're- like, I didn't have that bug, but, like, that's multiple bugs for your game. Yeah, no, so I got- I got, like, physically in-game stuck. Like, I couldn't get down- like, I found the screwdriver. It would not let me return back down to the- to the base of the experiment here. So I don't know. Anyway, so we find a fucking crossbow, some green burnt stuff. We found that weird shaped screwdriver. And Iris is like, hmm, you know who can help us with this? Uh, Hurley. Hurley could help us. And we have these tickets for Madame Tuspel's, um, because that's where he is. And he's, and we're like, oh, okay. She's like, yeah, he told me not to tell you, but let's go. Um, so we travel over to Madame Tuspel's Museum of Waxworks, which has a bunch of horror scenes and it's freaking Ryu out. Um, and... There's Elizabeth. I'm gonna skip over these notes. I had some issues with the scenes. Uh, there's oh, a stuff. It's it's they uh, diversity when Jack the Ripper's a woman now, but also Elizabeth Bathory, but also isn't. That's all. That's all you need to know. Yeah, um, Herlock is also now pretending to be a wax figure, and Iris kicks him, and so he tries to keep up, but he cracks under the pressure. So he was getting bored, and he thinks there's a mystery somewhere here in this museum. So he tells us about the Tuspels. It's a French history with, with wax. Has fr- they're French and they do wax work. Herlock is temporary in this exhibit. Uh, he changes every like 30 minutes and he'll take a picture with you. So we're like, what do you, what's going on? He goes, money's real tight. So I need, I need to do this for money. So we fill him in on what we've, what we've been up to, what we learn. And what, ha- uh, and while we're talking to him about what happened with him and Zeke's, Madame Tuspel comes up and asks, Hey, how do you like my museum? And she's, do you want to describe her? She's a she's a witch. <laughs> she just she looks like a witch, but in a good way. I mean, her her outfit is like very dark green mostly. She's got a little tunic and a little cape, and then a big witch hat with a five point star on it. And then she's got a little satchel uh, that's got money poking out of it. And um, her hair is kind of strawberry blonde. Um, she's a little mysterious, um, and I like her. Yeah. I like her. Yeah, she's very, she's very pretty, like. She's very pretty. Yeah. And she threatens Hurley with a big boiling vat of wax constantly. Constantly threatening him with hot wax. It's great. Um, 
So we talked to her and uh, we learned that she is also in, like, not just her life, but she's also in financial straits. Uh, we ask if she has any problems and she's like, what? How do, could you tell? And so Herlock says, like, for 50 bucks, he can solve everything with a dance of deduction. So um, in her museum, she has a big curtain in the middle with a special exhibit. And so we ask to see it and turns out it's missing the murderer for the exhibit. And also there's this portly gentleman on the floor unconscious because we can see his arm sticking out of the, cur- of the curtain. <laughs> I believe he was a juror in the last game. Oh, I was like, should I recognize this portly man? I I, I recognized him, but I didn't go back to check. But I do believe he was one of the sort of less important jurors in the last game. I guess correct me if I'm wrong, but he looked familiar. But yeah, he's laying on the ground. Uh, so we do a dance of deduction and Herlock is, of course, wrong. So we have to fix him. Um, that's okay. Turns out turns out that somebody stole the the murderer in this scene and is ransoming him and also the cops are on it and they're here uh the dead guy on the floor who's not actually dead was unrelatedly trying to steal the arm off of an unrelated waxwork so she beat him until he was unconscious yeah so she's holding on to the the wax arm that she beat the man unconscious with there's a police officer there wearing rowley's scarf with a price tag on it yeah, theoretically, the scarf that Pat knitted Raleigh uh, that they wore through the entire last game trial, uh, that this cop has just purchased it for like three ninety nine, uh, and is wearing it. It doesn't come up again. They, no, we don't talk about it again. We don't talk so, about it at all. We don't. We don't talk about it. Uh, but anyway, so he's there in the case, like sitting in the chair, pretending to be like uh, some other famous killer, uh, investigating the scene. Uh, and so what we figure out, importantly, is that the main murderer in the scene has been stolen and ransomed. Um, and she had a bunch of money in her pocket to, or in her bag to go pay it. Uh, so we asked her to tell us more about what the stolen wax work was. It's been missing for a few days and it was of the professor. It's a case from 10 years ago. And I was just like, oh, that's when I was born. Cause we have to remember she's 10. Uh, and it was also the same time that Von Zeeks graduated from college. Why do we bring that up? Hmm, seems to be related. Anyway, the professor was a set of, of gruesome murders. Five victims were killed before he was caught. He only went after, like, the rich and noble high members of society. The last person who was killed was victim number five was Clint Von Zeeks. Yes, Baroque Von Zeeks' older brother. Is named Clint. <laughs> yes. I... I also lost my mind at that because I was like, it's not even with a C, it's with a K. So mm-hmm. it's not short for like Clinton. It's just like Clint. Victorian British gentleman Clint. <laughs> um, and so while we learned that, it cuts to Von Zeke's visiting Albert Hairbrain in jail. And they're like, it's been 10 years. And Von Zeke's is not talking to his friend He's leaning up against the wall next to the bars, <laughs> like, like he's fucking cool or something. And we didn't describe uh, Hairbrain oh, yet. Oh, I'm sorry, I skipped but, that, yeah. uh, Because, I mean, maybe you didn't go visit him in prison yet at this point, but he's just like a skinny, skinny white dude with glasses wearing a science coat with very blue eyes, and then he has just a huge blonde afro. 
Uh, it was unclear to me with my bad color and on my TV. He when he bends forward, whether he has a bald spot or not. Uh, but I think that's just a hair detail. I don't. Think I it's thought bald. it was just a hair detail, also. So he either just has a hair detail when he slumps forward, or he has a bald spot. Uh, but he just has the, the a huge blonde afro, and he's exactly what you would think of when you hear the name Albert Hairbrain. Yeah. Um, I don't think I wrote notes down because when you visit him in prison, he just repeats literally everything you already know. Yes. Um, so I apologize. There, I, did, I didn't even mention it. That's probably also my out-of-ordered problems. Or maybe actually that's when my notes got deleted because I did briefly lose some notes. I mean, it doesn't matter. It he, doesn't just, matter. he just is like, I don't, please protect the... The machine. He, protect the machine is basically all he cares about. It's his life's work is this formula for instantaneous kinesis teleportation yeah um so we von zeke actually cares about albert which is like nice yeah (laughs) but i wrote we did want to animate the the back of von zeke's head (laughs) so he's facing the audience um uh but baroque you know he's like i'm i'm you're my friend you're on trial i'm not gonna trust you with just anyone so hairbrain's like i believe in you you have my best interests at heart so the next day um, Shlomo and Iris pop in, but Herlock's like, I gotta go deal with this mixing wax work. And Iris is like, well, but we're like, oh, Iris, it's just you and me. And she's like, ooh, no, I gotta go. <laughs> is this when she says, maybe it's tomorrow, when she says, I have to go to the herb market. Oh, she says that tomorrow. That's <laughs> tomorrow. Like, such a lie. Most fucking asinine ass thing I've ever heard from a 10 year old who doesn't have, reminder, doesn't have any money because Herlock has to go fucking beg on the street at the wax museum because otherwise, as he says 20,000 times, Iris will go hungry. Yeah. Um, Um, But anyway, she's like, fuck you. (laughs) Goodbye. She's she's like, oh no, I have things to do. I'm so sorry. Bye. And we're like, okay. Um, but yeah, uh, Herlock's party words of wisdom to us are like, hey, just so you know, instantaneous uh, teleportation, not possible. Okay, bye. Bye. And I yeah. was just like, yeah, not possible. <laughs> Stupids. <laughs> Although I do believe her more than him. Right. S- something that for some reason Ryanosuke continues to do, which is believe Herlock Sholmes. Right. Um, so when we start the trial, the judge is like, hey, just to remember... Uh, Ass man over there, he was uh, in court recently, found not guilty, but he was killed two days ago, and it seems to be the work of the Reaper, and Von Zeke's like- judge, The judge opens with, hmm, another Reaper case, huh? Yeah, and Von Zeke's like, if that's how your lordship would describe divine retribution. <laughs> <laughs> and the judge is like, fine. Are you yeah, ready, the judge jury? Right. The judge is like, yeah, I've never heard of corruption either. All right, let's go. And so we meet a brand new jury. Would you like to d- talk about the jury quickly? <laughs> we'll just go really quick because they're not that important. So really uh, jury number one is like a gentleman, brown suit, uh, middle-aged, unremarkable man. Juror number two is like a very refined lady. Almost what I would say like a Vegas sort of dancer lady because she's very ostentatious. Um, her like dress is almost flesh-toned but a little pinker. And then she's got like some sort of darker black over her chest and then like a very ostentatious necklace and then she's got like a feathered hat going on. Every single sort of dandy woman that they introduce reacts to everything exactly the same way where she's like, oh, I'm here for the interpersonal drama because I'm a woman, right? Okay, so that's her. 
Um, juror number three is a straight up a magician, and he's the best one. <laughs> Spoilers, he's the best one. <laughs> Spoilers, he's the best one. He's a magician in black suit, <laughs> black top hat, wearing a cape, got a little like pointy magician's mustache, little pointy magician's mu- uh, goatee. He looks like uh, an evil magician. He looks like an evil magician, uh, and I and it's very good. And okay, juror number four is uh he's like on the scientific research. He's a part of the Royal Society. Yeah, the Royal Society of Scientists. He's he's a big portly old man, black top hat, black suit, covered in medals, presumably science medals. And he's like fucking around with beakers on the on the Jury panel, um, juror number five's a literal child. Uh, <laughs> That's what Aaron, and... <laughs> I need you to know, Aaron, I was at the end of the case, but Aaron was like, hey, why is there a child on the jury? Why is, why is there like, a little child? Like, you know, the amount of, child. the amount of outrage I have room for in my body anymore is I'm going to disregard the literal child, but I was mad about it at the time. Not as mad as Iris's hat, which right. she's still wearing. She's still wearing I was, her bra. <laughs> but yeah, his her bra hat. But I am uh, mad about this child. The child's eating corn, which I'm also mad about because that's an American food. <laughs> like a typewriter, specifically. Like a ty- She's typewritering corn. Uh, juror number six is that sleeping old man cop from the Wax Museum. Uh, he's an old man. He's tired. He's a Bobby. He's tired. He's not wearing the scarf anymore. We're not going to talk about the scarf. Uh, but that's it. That's the jury. And the only important really ones are the magician and the, uh, the old man from the Royal Society, Science Society. Yes. Those are the only important ones. I hate to belabor this because we have so much to talk about, but I was like, so I took, I take like very brief notes since I know you're going to describe them. So I just need you to know my notes were an old white man, very chiseled, a very proper lady, long necked, a magician, a poofy man (laughs) with caterpillar eyes holding a beaker. (laughs) Yeah, and like so. I'm so retired policeman holding a gun. Like, yeah, I literal. Just, I just scout enjoy watching corn. my notes. A magician, a, poofy a magician, <laughs> a magician. Um, okay, so we have met the jury. Um, we start by describing the science of incitatious kinesis, and ju- jurors number four and. Is like this is impossible. Like it's not possible. Yeah, the science one also confirms for us that's not possible. So yeah. now we have Iris Hurley and the, ger- the scientist from the Royal Society who says that's bullshit. And then uh, the judge is like, "Well, prosecution, what do you think?" Bunzig's like, "It was a success. Absolutely success. It was a success in t- telekinesis and Osman and and, and there and it, this wasn't an accident. Asman died from murder, not an accident." Asmin did teleport, but then died for murder. Because we, cause, and we're like, what? So Gregson and Hairbrain are called to the stand. We get a photo of the victim. Greg says we can't examine the machine, so we don't know if it was an accidental malfunction of the machine, machine or malicious intent to murder Asmin. Gregson says he can confidently say this was murder. However, Asmin had a broken neck. And Hairbrain's like, it was a, it was a miscalculation of the angle of the beams. Like, I'm, sh- this was an accident. That's the thing he firmly stands on. It was an accident. And then we're also like, oh, there's also this lesion on the chest where he's clearly been stabbed in the heart. He's clearly been stabbed. <laughs> and so that's what Von Sieg is pushing is that he was stabbed and it was clearly a murder. He was, cl- he was killed before he was uh, teleported. Uh, the documentation security has stated that the man stepped into the birdcage as a way to beam the 25 feet to the Crystal Tower. And instead of being straight beamed, he was, there was an explosion. It knocked the beam up. So the beam was, uh, put the, the cage in midair. And that's when it crashed down through the 
the the tower and broke his neck. So that's what we're presenting as what possibly happened. And Hairbrain's just like, it was an accident. The machine was just too powerful. And they're like, yeah, but anyway, um, have you seen this murder weapon from the stab wound in his chest? It's this screwdriver. And Hairbrain's like, oh, that's Andrew. <laughs> Apparently he has tools and he names them all. Like Michael's is his Philippine brother. Uh, I don't know why he has tools. Because he doesn't build anything. This fu- That fucked me up too. Is because every single time he was like, my machine was flawless. I drew the plans myself. I was like, who built it? Who built it? Who built it? Who could have interfered with it by building it? But yeah, why does he have a screwdriver? He doesn't manufacture anything. He just draws on paper what needs to be done. Why does he have tools? Good question. But he's named them. So maybe they're all He clearly show. doesn't use them because a screwdriver with an A-shaped handle is the least ergonomic it's awful. It's just decorative. It's just decorative. And so we're like, look at the screwdriver. He's got blood on him and it matches the chest wound. And then uh, Albert's like, well, if I had stabbed Assman, the stage would have been covered in blood. And no, there's no blood. And we're like, oh shit, that's a great idea. And Baroque brings out his hollow chalice. And he's like, Gregson, tell him why he could have stabbed him. And there's not blood on the stage. And Gregson's like, oh yeah, that's right. Because if the, the screwdriver was still in his chest... The blood would not splatter. Instead, the blood splattered when he was teleported through the air and then the screwdriver flung out, which is how it got back on the stage. And we're like, no, no, that's stupid. Well, and so, yeah, we're like, no, because we found the screwdriver on the stage. On stage. And but Albert's like, no, because metal can't be tra- like transferred via instantaneous kinesis. Right. And we're like, that, Albert... We're like, what about his stupid fucking what glasses, What stupid then? fucking glasses? And Baroque even <laughs> breaks a bottle over this. Um, <laughs> uh, and so, um, Albert also then kind of is just, like, focusing very much that, like, I, why would I kill him? I have no motive. I only met him three or four times in my life. Um, Osman, he just gave me the money. Like, why would I kill my benefactor? Um... And then he's, it was just me, him, and the engineer who worked on this. <laughs> and we're like, oh, okay, you did nothing. Um, we show him a picture. He of the- did the math, Stephanie. I'm sorry, he did math. His science. He did. He did science. He did good, accurate math that would definitely work. <laughs> um, we, uh, well, we're, j- so basically we're just like, he's wearing glasses. How is he teleported it with his metal frame glasses? Like, this whole thing is flawed. And he could have been murdered elsewhere and then put in here. And the jury's like, what kind of trickery is this? This man's a fraud. This is bogan science. He just wanted the 500 pounds from the government. And Albert's like, no, I swear. And so Von Zeke calls for an eyewitness to testify. So we take a, re- a recess. And we're like, hey, Albert, is this stage trickery? And he's like, absolutely not. And so we go back to court. And he's like, hey, the science was sound. The experiment was a success. So the only way for this to have happened is if the accused committed the murder. Uh, and so we have three new witnesses. Or two new... Two three. Three new witnesses. Three. We have three fucking witnesses. Because <laughs> these are witnesses to prove that the instantaneous kinesis actually did occur. And they were all in a hot air balloon at the time. And by hot air, I, of course, mean... A hydrogen Hydrogen. Balloon. Yes. Uh, they were in a hydrogen balloon at the time. And so we have three witnesses, and one of them is called Balthazar Loon, and he's the balloon man, the balloon runner guy. Uh, he's 
dressed like a circus ringleader, but in blue. And his hat is a, a giant balloon with a flame in it. With a literal flame inside the balloon. He's Italian. He's he, Yeah, he's Italian. He also has uh, unrelated some balloons that he's holding. Um, uh, and then the other one is Gina. And then the third one is Wilhelm Gottsreich Sigmund Ormstein. Uh, a child prince from I fucking forgot, but it's in it's now the modern oh from Bohemia. He's a Bohemian prince. Yes, that's right. Do you remember when we used to have made up countries like Burgania? Yeah, I miss it because I had to Google where Bohemia was back when it existed, and it was in Czech Republic. Ah. Um, but anyway, there's this tiny lad who for all intents and purposes i would describe as a german stereotype uh but his head is bandaged and he's wearing a mask and he has little blonde center parted german boy hair with little curlies on the side um even though he's from fucking bohemia uh he's he's uh and he's a brat yes I, that that's that covers him um yeah he keeps paying the balloon man for balloons, and he keeps saying how much his allowance is. Because he keeps letting go of the balloon every time he makes a, a point. He Every time he shakes his fist and stamps on the ground. Um, and about how rich he is. He keeps saying, I am very rich. Like, he keeps saying it. Yeah. But he's in disguise because he's a prince, but he wants to go to the world's exhibition. And then he immediately takes his mask off so we could see his face, so. Yeah, he's just a... He's just a boy. Just a little prince boy. Yeah. You know, what you'd expect. So, uh, and then Gina. And then she G was up there, too. She was up there, too. Uh, Von Zeeks actually does, to his credit, introduce Gina as the detective and therefore highly, highly reliable. So it, he was, he was, he was calling Gina a reliable person where he was slandering her just six months ago. How nice. Yeah. He seems to be cool with Gina now that she's a cop. Yeah. Um, so we learned these, these people heard two explosions when they were up there. So they were in a hot, they were in a hydrogen balloon above looking down the experiment. Everyone's having a great time. They hear two explosions, one when the cage disappeared from the stage and one when it reappeared near the tower and then fell. The boy Gots and Ryanosuke keeps trying to like, just call him Master Gots and he's like, no, say my full name. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but he said he saw a green balloon next to theirs, and that's what the second explosion was. And Gina's like, I never saw a green balloon. So he throws a fit, and the balloon man, Loon, Balthazar Loon, swears there was not a green balloon in the sky because he does not own green balloons. He only had three balloons out on the out in the sky, and none of them are green. And, and this was, like, his region. So, like, nobody else was allowed to do a balloon in his region. Right. And they checked, like, the warehouse. And, like, the cops confirmed that he only had three balloons. None of them are green. Um, and so uh, uh, Gotts actually has a camera and took a picture. And so we're like, oh, my gosh. Well, let's see the picture. And it's in sepia tones. And then um, I wrote Bohemian crying ensues because they use some sort of weird font choice to... <laughs> To yeah, indicate that, crying. The A has like an umlaut yeah. over it. So he's like, wow, yeah. but with an umlaut. Yeah. Um, um, well, they made a big deal about it, the sepia tone thing. Although like 
balloon man's balloons have stripes on them and this yes yes that's what i kept trying to put and also it's empty and also it could have we could have just been like is this one of your balloons like there were so many options to identify your own balloons is this one of your balloons and so the thing that I was trying to point out was there was no zigzags on this balloon and the no, game was, there was like no zigzags no, it's on it. Empty. And I'm like, oh yeah, that too. But okay, I feel like both were valid. So Zvonzik's like, this doesn't fucking matter. And um it's not one of Loon's balloons, but no one cares. It's just a rogue empty balloon. And I'm like, yeah, no, that's pretty big deal. And we're like, um, let's look at this photo again, because also in this photo is this jet of a white line coming out towards the balloon. It looks like a shooting star in this photo. Yeah, it's, a, it's clearly a fucking crossbow bolt since we found a crossbow on the ground. Right. So we point it out and we think it's a flame shot to strike the hydrogen balloon because uh, we happen to have this crossbow in our evidence. And so we come to the conclusion that the birdcage was inside this balloon the whole time. The one, the one on the stage disappears, the bow is fired and popped this balloon and out falls the cage into the crystal tower. So we're saying there were two bird cages. And it was a sham. And it was a sham. Um, so we're like, that means the person on the stage was a body double because we found Osman in Asman in the in the crystal tower. Um, so the person, and then the science guy was like, the person in the balloon could have survived, but they would for sure be heavily burned. Uh, and I'm like, he's also not breathing nothing but hydrogen for an unquestionable amount of time. He is super not alive if he was in that balloon, but well, okay. Also, this is why it made me so mad that that balloon man got flame in his hat when he's driving hydrogen balloons around. Yeah, uh, this they they keep they try to explain the science of the two different types of hydrogen versus hot air balloons. And then the gas mix, like, they were yeah. like, well, depending on the gas mix in the hydrogen balloon, if you, you know, a person would be able to be okay. Whatever, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, fine. So we're like, so this is, this, this sham, because is, like, we present our sham, and Albert takes the stage, and he goes, I killed him. I killed him with a screwdriver, just as you mm-hmm. said. Because he wants to protect his, built, his, his machine and the science. He is so offended that we're saying his science didn't work. And that he ha- and that he may have been duped, uh, and it wasn't built to the way he was designed. But he begs Von Zeke to protect his machine now because he doesn't he doesn't want to talk to us anymore. Um, well, this is what fucks me up because Von Zeke says this to us too because he was like, okay, that that special act that protects the let's just call it what it is, which is intellectual property, right? Mm-hmm. It collect it protects the intellectual property of these scientists, but only if. The machine is proven to be good and function like a be- premised on a good idea, and then also it, only if the machine is related to the murder. So it's only protected if it did a crime. It is no longer protected if it didn't do a crime. What the fuck kind of law is this? No, and I swear they flipped it at some point where it. But maybe I just like was like stop. I stopped paying attention. I don't know, but I was like, oh wait, so. If he didn't do the crime, it's protected. But if he did do a crime, it wasn't. And then I was, and I thought they flipped it at this point. And I was like, wait, what? It, I thought it got flipped too, but only because it's much more logical where the machine's not protected if he did the crime because they, and then it's evidence. But it would be protected if he was innocent or if the machine was unrelated. Because what we're saying is. The machine's unrelated to the crime, baby. The machine was a sham, but it doesn't matter because the murder was not done by the machine. I thought we were home free. I was like, they don't need to look at the machine. 
the machine didn't do the didn't do the murder. Regardless, whatever rules they kept switching on us, or whatever the rules were that we just kept misunderstanding, or whatever the fact is, is now he's begging von Ziegs to uphold this. And so we're like, oh no, do we do we protect our client's life and assert his innocence or uphold the request to protect the machine and see him condemned? And we're like, oh, this is so hard for us. And then Susato comes and flips us. That's and then right. Susa- yeah, Susato's and then Susato here. Flips us. And she's like, you don't have to give an inch. And I'm just well, like, I literally thought this was like a hallucination. Of I, did, I did it too. I also thought it was a hallucination. Because it makes no goddamn sense how she just came out of nowhere and got to well, stand next to us on the court stand. And usually when we don't have an assistant for a case, uh, the defendant becomes the assistant sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, you'll remember maybe Maggie Bird, this happened with her. Like, this has happened before where, like, if Maya's out of town, then we have the defendant be the assistant. I thought that might be okay, and it would kind of make this harebrain reveal a little better where he's, like, standing next to you and, and helping you, and then suddenly he's like, motherfucker, I did it. That'd be wild. Yeah. Uh, but no, she just is there. She's just there, and so... She's there for real, though. For real? For real? She actually shows up and then uh, she said, oh, uh, flips us. And so we're like, that's right. I do believe I, he did not stab the man, and we need to investigate the, machine, investigate the machine because it was misbuilt on purpose. And Albert's like, well, I did see a man with a crossbow by the platform the day before the experiment. He <laughs> yeah. was thin, tall, with white straight hair and a black monocle. Also, he's the and engineer also, who built the machine. Yeah, and also he happens to be exactly the engineer who built my machine. <sighs> How do you say this man's name? Um, I don't have it in front of me, so give it a shot so then I can say it. Oh, Enoch Drebber. I do have it in okay, front of me. Okay, I was going to say Enoch Drebber. Drebber, but Enoch, what's, do you know what the pun here is? No, I couldn't figure this one out. I don't know. Uh, anyway, so we're like, oh my god. Um, it could be a play on he knock, like as in like he knocks a bow, but... I don't think so, because the whole crossbow thing is such a minor part of this dude's whole deal. Yes, we'll get into that. Um, but anyway, so the the two members of the jury are like, holy shit, Enoch Drebber? Science man calls him an abomination. Magician man calls him a conjurer and no one wishes to hear his name. <laughs> Which was great. Yeah, this uh, everybody knows this dude and he's infamously bad and... That's great. Yeah, so he's apparently a dude who builds things and ultimately uses trickery to make them work so he can get government funds. He's got a notorious reputation. Albert consents that his experiments be released from protection and examined because now his spirit has been broken. He was scared about everything he built being a sham, but now he's broken. So we can have a break for the day. Thanks, Judge. And Susato uh, is like, hey, what's up? Iris, and Iris is like, I went to pick her up. I guess this was the herb garden thing. Or, no, she does the herb garden no, the next day. No, she does day, the herb but... garden tomorrow. But yeah, today she was like, sorry, I have something to do. And it was to go get Susato and bring her to the trial. So yeah. that's nice. That's nice. So we're like, oh my God, Susato. And she roasts us for having the apartment so messy. Back for two minutes. Thanks, sweetie. Um, and so to recap, her dad's fine. Was worried about the case with the bloody dog collar, keeping secrets. She's not going to do that anymore. Um, and so she's like, I'm gonna tell you the truth now, Iris, about why I know about the Hound of Baskervilles. And also, just, uh, my daddy will be here in about a month. He was invited to do the, uh, forensic symposium. Um, and he let her come. Um, so we get intel that Giselle Brett, because Susada was involved in that case, her, was not her real name. Uh, it was Asian. (laughs) 
and she wasn't a student, and no one knows who she is. The government intelligence has to be able to figure out more. So Susano comes and tells us, like, hey, Giselle Brett wasn't a real person. She apparently was somebody. She, well, she wasn't really British. She wasn't really and that British. Is, that is not her real identity. And the only name we've been able to pull up is Asian. I'm sorry, say that again? Asian. One more time I'm for so the people angry. in the back. I'm so fucking angry. This one I also took a picture of my TV texted Stephanie about. Initial A and then last name S-H-I-N-N. I'm so angry Which I that believe they is did this. one of the names from the telegram, right? Well, yeah. No, I, I mean, probably. I need to look back up the telegram because now we have, considering the end of this case, we have to look back up the telegram. But we can do that later. I'm... Mad about the racism, Stephanie. Yeah, I know, I know. That's... You can't just name somebody Asian. <laughs> I agree. To make the point that they weren't British and they were Asian. Correct. <sighs> um, so that's <sighs> fucked up on what's fucked up. That's fucked up. Okay, so... Well, so then, so time out just briefly, because I, I had texted you that I want to fight the localization team. And so yeah. you were like, we should go look up the blogs. So I went and looked up the blogs. Mm-hmm. And they don't talk about this exactly. And I do have a lot of respect for what they're trying to do. But they, I did catch offhand in one of the interviews that she gave to Polygon that she said... They were like, what about the puns? Puns are so hard. And I was. they were like, sometimes we put in placeholder names and we just hoped for the best. I think this one's a placeholder name. Uh, that never got changed because they put in placeholders that are kind of like the literal translation and then they just like left it. That's what I think. That's really upsetting. I, I was going to get to those, and then I was... She was also... The tra- the the person in charge of translation was also doing the other vlog posts, so I was like, these aren't related. So I skimmed two of them that were unrelated to the translation part process. Yeah, I just went... I just read the translation part once, and then I read her Polygon interview, and then I read uh, other interviews, which were just abbreviations of the Polygon interview. Ah. So, in any case, right, um, we can I'm mad about this one, and... We won't harp it because you guys already know how mad I am about this one. So we'll just keep going. Yeah. Um, more mad, more mad about the bra hat. Now we're doing anger based on the bra hat. So <laughs> I'm more mad about this one than the bra hat. I will accept the bra hat if you take out this name. Yeah. So we also, so we're talking about Giselle Brett and her real name's Asian. And uh, we were reminded that the reporter, um, uh, Many Memo, was in a huff about Kazuma and a cover up. I had forgotten about this, so I'm glad they recapped it at this point. Susato, because at the end of that case, he busts in, he goes, the cover-up about the student, I know about it. And then they, like, rip him out of there. So she went to prison and was like, what do you know? And he tells us that Kazuma's body never arrived in Hong Kong like it was supposed to. So her dad, apparently, uh, Professor Mikotoba, knew about this and kept it a secret. And so Kazuma has a grave, but no one's there. And so Rio's like, is he still alive? And Susato gets real upset and is like, Herlock examined that body and confirmed he was dead. So if he wasn't dead... Herlock lied to us. And that's just too much for me to bear. And she's like crying. And Iris is like, oh, and that reminds me of the story Herlock forbid me to publish, The Hounds of Baskerville, and how Susie here knew the title. And Susie's like, I will explain. I was cleaning my dad's office before before I left for Japan the first time. And in a large box of papers, the same title, The Hounds of Baskerville, was written in English. Her father came into the room and yelled at her to forget it and never remember that she saw this box of papers. Or that it that name. 
And that's all she knows because then the box disappeared and she never saw it again. Um, and her father never explained. So that's fun. Now Iris goes to the herb market and we go back to the crystal tower. So yeah, we have all this mystery. Kazuma question mark? Pound of Baskervilles question mark? Daddy? Question mark? <laughs> Daddy question mark? Anyway, we won't get to any of that. We gotta solve this mystery. We gotta solve this mystery. So we go back. Gina's got a dog. Yeah, Gregson's not really nice to Susato, and Gina's got a dog. Uh, Gregson also is like, by the way, I'm gonna be transferred to Paris. And I'd like and to. And I'm taking Gina. And I would like to take Gina with me because of the Reaper. Um, and Gina's like, hello, have you seen my dog Toby? He's great. I love him. He's very good. Toby's a very good dog. He's a very good dog. And they're like, you still can't investigate the machine without Shankar's permission. And um, and we're all trying to find this engineer, Drebber, but we don't know where he is. So Gregson's doing his best. He's very tired. And Gina's playing with her dog, but she won't let us upstairs. So we go to visit Strongheart and invest. And he's talking to a woman in a lab coat. Do you want to describe her now or later? Um, We could do it now, just briefly. I mean, yeah. she's wearing a lab coat. Um, Her lab coat has the same D-pad that all other government officials have on it. Um, but a variation of it. She's in a black suit um, with a red tie and then sort of like a tie pin near the knot of the caduceus, like the medical mm-hmm. snakes in the thing. Um, and then a black shirt. And then she's super duper duper pale and she's super duper pointy. But she has very, she's very pretty. Mm-hmm. Um, but she has like narrow eyes and and little thin lips and and super pale and then her hair is platinum blonde, and it's up mostly. There's a little bit of bang in her eyes. And then um, it's up in a knot that, unfortunately, the only way I know how to describe this is a serger thread spool. <laughs> 70, do you, um, do you know how to describe it better than just, like, a spool of thread but for a, a serger specifically? I was going to say it's kind of in, a, like, a... It's like it's like wound up in a bun, but the bun is actually cone shaped. It, it's uh, a little like bit it, more like a like a honey, like a like a beehive. You got bees on the brain. though. I do have bees on the brain, but you it's like a, it's like brain. a woven basket kind of like sort thick of a woven rope. basket, but little. It's not like huge on her head. No, but it's, it's like a little, a sort of a moderate sized bun, and then she has like two sticky outy bits of hair that are spirally, and they end in little pointed metal bits um she's she looks very cool and of course she came on screen i was like oh i like her she's cool yeah she's got very snake vibes i would say yeah she's pretty snaky and then she's like corpse vibes too because she's so pale yes she's very pale and uh we lore her name is dr courtney sith she is the scotland yard coroner and she's also leading the forensic investigation team uh, it took me a long time in my notes to stop writing that out and writing just fit. Because <laughs> that's what the abbreviation comes out to. Fit? Oh, for the forensics investigations team? Yeah. The fit? The fit. From Honda. Beep, the beep. Honda fit. Everyone um, can uh, get it. I, th- I think her last name is Scythe. Scythe. Oh, that makes sense. Courtney Scythe. Scythe. That makes sense. I've never once pronounced a name correctly in my life. That's okay. I'm just, I want to tell everyone how it's spelled. It's spelled like Scythe. Oh, she's got black gloves on and then snake uh, decorations on top of the gloves too. Anyways, she's very snaky. Uh, Very cool. A plus character design. Yes. Um, uh, Strongheart tells her, so we're like, 
Oh, he's like, oh, yeah, she was talking to me about the autopsy report. And he, go talk to her directly. I don't have time for you. You, We have a little over seven minutes. So he does have some time. Um, so he's talking about wiping out the scum of London. And he will do so with his forensic science team. With his fit. Um, and the fit, yeah. He put it together artificially. And he's going to present his findings to make him chief justice. Because he's got very grandiose climbing the ladder plans. And he wants to f- save London from being this cesspool of scum. Uh, so he mentioned 16 years ago, Dr. Mikotoba was here for six years at the same hospital as Courtney and Susato was like, oh yeah, I never met my father until he came back from that. So I live with my grandma and we're like, oh shit, that sucks. You okay, Susato? And she's just like, I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. She's like that right now. Right now. So we're like, anyway, um, hey, can you talk to us about Van Zeke's, Van Zeke's murdered brother? And what gave rise the Reaper? And so everyone thinks, we learned here, everyone thinks that the ghost of Van Zeke's Baroque's brother, everyone thinks that Baroque's brother's ghost, Clint, is the true Reaper. Is the Reaper, yeah. Um, so, anyway, we're like, hey, can we, can we look at, can we investigate the machine? And he goes, you can look but not touch. Because the law is being repealed right now. Basically, like, the order of protection is being repealed right now. So it's still not up yet, so. Um, And so I tried to go right back to the the grounds to investigate, but it wouldn't let me. Oh, Um, interesting. So I had to to go around, so I went to, then I went to the forensic lab, and then you're able to look at her corner office, and everyone keeps, like, the two... Your two characters keep complaining about how bad it smells. It's overwhelming. It smells like chemicals and all that stuff. And so they don't know how they can focus on anything. But there's like skeletons and parts and jars and stuff. And so we look at the spending ledger because it's left open on the table. And we see that the team buys 500 scalpels every month. Courtney finds (laughs) us snooping around and she's kind of racist about it. Uh, And we're like, anyway, Stronger told us to... To, to talk to you about the autopsy, and she goes, right, the team concluded that uh, Aspen died, uh, disappeared from the stage amid the explosion, was the same man they found in the Crystal Tower because the fingerprints at both scenes were a match. Um, and so, oh, I forgot about this part. And so basically there was no body double is what Courtney establishes for us. Yeah. So we're like, well, shit. And so she's like, anyway, you should leave. And this other girl shows up. This fucking girl... Is on screen for 30 seconds and she's also got me, she's got me bras on head mad. Um, so she, she's like also platinum blonde, but she's wearing a, a full face mask, sort of akin to a plague doctor mask, but not quite as long of a beak, but like very bird-like mask covers the full face, including the eyes with lenses. She's also in a lab coat, but she's clearly shorter and sort of younger looking, her, like, outfit is blue. She's got a little blue corset. She's got a little butterfly belt buckle going on. And she has a ribbon on her um, jacket. And her hair's up in a bow. Uh, and she commits a hate crime against Rinosuke. Yeah. She keeps calling Courtney Mama. And wants to cut up and see the insides of an Easter person. Eastern person. Yeah, an Eastern per I've never seen the insides of an Easterner. Can I can I cut him open? And she's like, no, he's a live specimen. Uh and I'm like, did we not get over cute little murdery girls who call everyone mama and daddy in two thousand and five? How are we still doing this? 
I don't know. We run away and we never see her again. Yeah, we of course we've run away. She's threatened violence against us based oh, yeah, on yeah. race. I'm not saying we're at fault for running away, but actually Courtney's like she like her sprite goes into the room and she's like I'm going to stand here so no snooping eastern eyes will like touch my stuff. And we're like, oh, that's crazy. You have those here? And she's like, yeah, you. And we're like, oh, gotcha. Cool. Bye. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's real. Hey, diversity win. The woman in power is evil. Uh, and A's attorney has never done that before, Callie, so you. But wait, Michelle, she's uh, she works for the prosecutor's office. And she's, she's you know, light of sky. We've never done this before, but evil. <sighs> I hate it. I hate it. I'm angry. So at this point, in my gameplay, I go see Hairbrain in his prison. Um, I saw Hairbrain before this, but ah. yeah, I'm with you. Okay, he's so writing on the walls. He's writing on the walls. And then this this made Michelle mad too. I don't know where it ranks on the brawn head debate, but he's we're like, what are you doing? It's all equation. He goes, I'm writing my autobiography, how I was diddled and fiddled. I yeah, diddled and fiddled did make me angry. It's probably equal or slightly less to brawn head, but I was going to fight the translation team for this one too. They keep saying diddled and fiddled. Yeah. He, they just keep saying it. Yeah. So he acknowledges he was screwed over, um, but he does say Vanzi truly believes in his hypothesis and he believes in his hypothesis. He tells us that Drebber is actually a scientist um, because he knows what he's talking about. Like he doesn't, he isn't a sham in that respect. He had visited his workshop once, but he was blindfolded and taken there in a carriage. Albert has no way to help us. He just remembers that that um, Drebber does use a high-quality machine oil that comes from France, has a very unique fragrance. He's head over heels for it. Um, and we're like, oh, well, so I was like, well, do you have a business card from him? Or we're like, do you honestly think? goes, oh, I do. We're like, what? Let's look at it. It doesn't have anything helpful on it. But if you turn it over, <laughs> it's got an oil stain on the back. And so we are like, oh, this oil that is very fragrant and very specific. It is only made in France and is not imported into England in any way at this time. Uh, we run back to Gina and see if Toby can sniff it out so we can find his workshop because we learned that dogs have a very good sense of smell. So uh, Gina takes the card and runs off to find a lead. And she's like, all right, go upstairs. Do whatever you want. Look, but don't touch. So up we go. Oh, and Von Zeke's here too. <laughs> Von Zeke's is here, and the first thing we say to him are, so, Clint. <laughs> That's the first thing we fucking say to him. We're the worst. <laughs> we're the fucking worst. We're absolutely the worst. So, uh, nice weather we're having. H- how about Clint? <laughs> um, hold on, because I, I did everything but talk to Von Zeke's. Oh, yeah, well, I, we did everything but talk to him, but I still can't get over how we lead with so Clint. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we do examine the birdcage. It's made of wood. It's a girly big fall. The bottom is broken. Um, so he scoffs and he goes, oh. Um, and we, we're like, hey, Clint. And he's just like, God, you can't ever fucking leave me alone. Stop stalking me. And we're like, <laughs> yeah. did you know about the, the stolen ransom wax work? And he's like, what? No, I didn't know about that. That's that's not cool. Of uh, that, it's of the professor. We're like, anyway, do you have any leads on Trevor? <laughs> and so he shows. He's like, fine, I'll share it because we want to find this guy. And he shows us a picture of Trevor from ten years ago. He looks like a guy from Black Butler. 
He might be one of the, he might be one of the most anime ass characters in this anime ass game. He is. Him and Kazuma are neck and neck, but for different reasons. Yeah, different genre, but different yeah. Different genre. Um, so uh, then the Mystery Apprentice, so we're talking, and the Mystery Apprentice shows up, and Susato freaks the fuck out and screams Kazuma-sama. And he stops and goes, Kazuma? And then walks away. And Vanzik's like, what the fuck? What's going on, you guys? I got assigned to this guy three months ago. He's got amnesia, remembers nothing about himself, but he will be at court with me tomorrow. And we're like, he's just, his aura, his presence, his posture. It must be Kazuma. Yeah, I have to assume they switch to Japanese whenever they're trying to talk to Kazuma, because I think she says something like, Kazuma, you know, Kazuma-sama, is it, can it really be you? You know, and then Von Sieg's comes in and he's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, that would make more sense. Um, And later, when there's a longer conversation, I assume that was in Japanese, too, because Von Zeeks comes in after and he's like, what the fuck? I have comments about that. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. We'll get to that later. I'm so sorry. We're getting halfway through. We can go. Okay, Cosmo, but I don't, I think we're good. We'll see you tomorrow, Von Zeeks. We got to talk about the prisoner. Yeah, because the fit team shows up and we're like, all right, we got to go. We're also like, hey, Sloan's lied to us here. We need to go talk to him. So we go back to the wax museum. We scare the shit out of Susato. She faints. Uh, which I, I was upset she deep. fainted instead of flipping her lock when yeah. he revealed that he was not a wax figure. Yeah. And so uh, secret, secret... Um, Herlock's like, Herlock's like, hey, I mostly got, I mostly solved the case. I talked on the phone and the guy was actually going to give it back. But anyway, um, Iris and I have no money and she's starving to death. So, uh, don't tell, don't tell, uh, Esmeralda Tusbell. Uh, so we're like, oh, okay, well, how should we find Drebber? Here's a picture. And he reacts strangely. And so we're like, but he won't explain. So we're like, okay, what the fuck did you lie about Kazuma for? And he's like, great detectives are want to lie. It'll serve you well to remember that. Why have we trusted her like Sholmes at all, ever? Why have we ever trusted her like Sholmes? I don't know, because he just straight up says, yeah, I lied and I will lie again. Yeah, he says, I lied and I will lie again. And he also repeatedly, every single deduction he does, he gets it wrong. So, like, why are we trusting him even when he thinks he's telling the truth? But then he goes, all right, if you pay me five shillings, I can show you what's behind this curtain. And so Susato is a sucker and does it. We look at the the special exhibit behind the curtain, and it is the scene of a graveyard with a person with a shovel and a lantern stepping back in surprise as a headless torso in a suit. Uh, crawls like out a of prison a grave, uniform. Like a prison uniform. It just looks like a suit. The head is missing, though. And that's clearly the part that Herlock hasn't solved yet, is he got most of it back, not all of it back. Um, so we examine the scene. We find a big piece of glass in the suit jacket that can only be from the Crystal Tower because it's so thick. And then we look at the person. I looked at this out of order, so the game really doesn't flow if you don't do it the way you want it to. It wants you to. I, I was going to say, you definitely did that out of order, though, because we looked at the person. It doesn't let you see the face right. of the person uh, so that you definitely have to examine that they're wearing a camera and the camera has a blood stain on it. And then if you look at the face, you find out it's the face of Enoch Drepper. 
It's so, fucking Enoch Drever, except his hair's black because he got so scared his hair turned white. He right. got so scared his hair turned white. He hair turned white. We also argue spade versus shovel and lamp versus lantern at a point in this. And I was like, I don't have the bandwidth for these in this moment, but okay. Right. So we re go over the crimes of the professor. So once again, five victims killed. Apparently he ripped the throat out with with an enormous hunting hound with so, a dog. So that's we've never new done a we've never done a serial killer who uses a dog before Stephanie and Ace Attorney, have we? Never ever, except for Yakuten Kenji too. <laughs> never once, never once, except Investigation Two. How are they going to top that guy? They're not. They're not. Um, They're not. So, uh, we learn about that, and then, um, what we also learn about the professor is when they finally caught him after his fifth kill, Clint, he was tried in closed court, his face and his name were never revealed to the public, he was sentenced to death and buried in Lowgate Cemetery, uh, which adjoins, adjoins the, uh, rear of the prison which he was held. So the night he was buried, he came back to life, crying his way out of the grave, Drebber saw it, freaked out, ran to the police, hair turned white because he was so scared, um, and the police investigated, but the body was found in the where it was supposed to be buried. So we're like, oh, that's more information about this. And then Gina comes in going, ah, oh, she keeps, she starts shooting the smoke gun at us because she got so scared. But she's like, hey, we found Drebber's workshop. Here's the address. And she's just like, well, I'll just wait here so I can feed little Iris at home. And Rinosuke's like, no, you got to come with us. I'll pay for her meals. And he's like, okay. And he's like, well, I'm not even going to split the bill. And Susato's like, I'll split the bill. And we're like, thanks, Susato. And here is where I got so fucking fed up with child abuse. <laughs> that, uh, is the, oh, the iris eating joke is what kept getting you, huh? That's what finally got, was, was getting to me. Um... And then we go to this next room and that's what, fu- or like the next thing. And it just... Really fucking did me in for the day. You're already soured for the the next room of bullshit. But um, the iris eating thing didn't get me because I just didn't believe. I Every single time I just don't believe it. Because she's going to the herb market. If they have no money, how is she going to the herb market? I don't believe she's actually getting herbs. Or she's scouring or, or scrounging for them. Like she's going gar- Well, sell foraging. her stupid fucking outfit and then you can afford something to eat. And her stomach she... growls like when you talk to her. Oh my God. I but... don't know. But I think that like, well, I thought I did think when Susato came, I was like, mm, another mouth to feed <laughs> in the house. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, her like Sean's bad dad. Bad dad. Anyway, I was, so I got, I got. I got fed up at this point, but we go, look, we go to Drebber's workshop now. We run on over there, all of us. We see a prototype of the machine that was on the experiment stage, but there's no sign of Drebber. Um, and they tell us we have a very small, small window because Gregson's here, Gina's here, and everyone's on our side, it feels like, but they're like, the fit team's gonna, like, fit's gonna get here, so you guys gotta be quick because they don't want you here. So we're looking around and we're trying not to touch anything and there's a locked door. Herlock's like, I could open it. And we're like, no. And then we hear a bunch of wrestling behind it. Is there anything else important in this room? Not really. A trophy. A trophy. For- a trophy for being good at science. Good yeah. at science trophy. And that's really it. Um, so then we hear wrestling behind the door. So we're like, ah. So we like, Herlock, Grace is like, fine, pick the lock. So he opens the lock. And we go in there and the room is crazy. Everything, all the furniture has, it looks completely like it's been ransacked, but all the furniture has been purposely turned upside down. Mm -hmm. And in the middle of the room, 
a bomb. No, actually, hold on. Because everyone's like, oh my god, let me run to the stove and get these blueprints out of it. No, because this is the bomb was the first thing I noticed, so I just right. kept saying, there's a bomb. That's so what I kept saying. Gregson but, would be like, he tried to burn the blueprints, and I'd be like, there's a bomb. <laughs> That's exactly what I was like. Gregson runs the, past the bomb to the past stove the bomb. to get the blueprints, which honestly... Would have been good on Gregson if that was even important evidence. If there weren't a bomb. And if there weren't a bomb. The blueprints are, spoilers, irrelevant to the case. Yeah, we don't even get them in evidence. The blueprints don't matter because human instantaneous kinesis doesn't work. Right. Spoilers. (laughs) Um, But anyway, we're like, shit, there's a bomb and a time bomb and... And there's footprints on the ceiling, and there's a mini version of a green uh, hydrogen balloon, but there's a bomb. Also, what got me mad here is we're like, uh, we end up detecting, like, we end up doing the deduction. Herlock says, it's not a bomb. This is a, a gra- anti-gravity machine. And we're like, how the hell do you know that? Like, how is that possible? And he, he dares to say, he dares to say with his filthy mouth... <laughs> When when you have eliminated the impossible, whatever remains must be the truth, however improbable it may seem. Yeah, he has that real Sherlock Holmes quote in his filthy mouth as he says that this bomb is not a bomb. Well, isn't this a real Ace Attorney quote? It is, but it was first a Sherlock Holmes quote. Oh, I did not know that. Okay. Yeah, it originally was a a Sherlock Holmes quote that then Ace Attorney co-opted. But everybody has, anytime any game has a detective, they fucking use this quote. All right. Well, he says it's a marvelous line, wouldn't you agree? It's one of my in- more enduring pearls of wisdom. So it's very fourth wally here. Yeah. Uh, and then I Except he's doing it while there's a fucking bomb. bomb. Um, so we're like, oh my God, wait, this vase, this random ass vase on the ground is right side up. There's nothing holding it into place or bolt, like, bolts into the ground like this big ass safe is. Uh, anyway, what we learn is that there's a safe number on the bottom of this chair. Drebber forgot... The, no- the combo to his safe as he heard us entering. So he flipped all of his furniture upside down, found the thing that had the, s- the safe nut combination on it. So he had unlocked the safe. He, he tried to get the balloon down by throwing shoes at it, but it didn't work and he ran out of time. And he also had a rope that Herlock was very in love with, but couldn't- it wasn't long enough for him to climb out the skylight window. So so what we end up figuring out, oh, we end up like being, okay, so we end up like, Figuring out, oh, actually, this he's probably hiding in the safe. So we open the safe. And he's in there. He's in there. He's in there, and he animates himself out of it. He's a, he's like a robot guy. He does robot stuff all the time. Uh, he's wearing, like, pinstripes and all black with a white tie and then a black overcoat. And then he's got a lot of gold detailing, including, including like, a gold steampunk robot hand. And in one of his eyes, he's got, like, a a black I, they said monocle but it's kind of sticking out it's like a a black lens that protrudes and then in his other eye it's white and uh has a steampunk ass monocle that spins around on it and all of his animations take a hundred thousand years they all make robot noises when he does it um i oh, he gets out of the safe by like break dancing out of the safe yeah well, he's all twisted up in there, and then he rolls out of it, and then breakdances and robots his way back to being a human. This breaks me, Stephanie. I hate this. I hate this so much. <laughs> I am livid at this fucking black butler, Gak, the singer, not this game, 
bullshit anime robot Everyone man. who listens to this podcast is too young to remember gagged, but that's okay. I, I'm so mad. I yeah, but his, he's, you know, he's got his, like, hip-length white hair, and he's doing his fucking robot-ass thing. He's got a very and evil he, smirk. And he's very evil, and he, you know, he gets out, and he's like, uh, that's a real bomb, you dumb fucks. Yeah, he's like, I... <laughs> And so Herlock is able to disarm it with seven seconds left. See, this is where I get angry. Is is we go through when there was a bomb in this room, I was like, oh shit, we're about to have some action. And then the action doesn't happen, and then it's a real bomb, and then Herlock disarms it off screen. Yeah. He just like we don't get to do a mini game or a dust for prints or cut the co- like bomb core. Herlock just disarms it with seven seconds to go off screen. Phew, my bad, I didn't recognize it was a real bomb. And he's like, oh, well, you have that one disarmed. He also confirms all of her deductions that, like, yeah, oh, I, couldn't yeah. Fi- I couldn't find the thing. I did try to, like, get out there. This guy, like, couldn't do it. Also in the hot air balloon is the head of the wax uh, yeah. figure, which is, we like... Shoot, we shoot the, the mini balloon, and it's the head of the wax figure. We use the crossbow. We get to use the crossbow. I don't get to use the crossbow as a player, but Ryu Nosuke does. Good for him. Um, Too bad we didn't tie the bomb to the crossbow bolt with that rope and shoot it out the window. <laughs> so we can't, apparently, the, the, the important thing about the wax figure is it's like in this like Iron Maiden style, not really, because there's not spikes inside of it, but this like locked helmet. Uh, and so you it's completely covering the face. You can't see anything like that. Uh, so anyway, um, he's like, you found that bomb. And the fit team comes in. Or I keep saying fit team. It's just saying ATM machine. Fit comes in and yells at us to leave. And, um, and then Scythe and Sloan's are he's, he's, Sloan's like, you're going to be like that to an old, old acquaintance. And she goes, hello, Sloan's. <laughs> and Jemmer's like, anyway, the other bomb, he, 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 and it explodes apparently, uh, the it exhibition. It was back at the investigation stage. Yeah. It yeah. blew up the, the quote, real machine. The real machine is blown to smithereens. So that's where we end that day. Now we're on court. The last bit of court. And I'm so sorry. This is so long. Court day two. Okay. So we started with, uh, with Hairbrain, uh, Herlock and Gregson here. Herlock's like, uh, Gregson gives us some paperwork. It's the professor's autopsy. It's very brief, but we have it now. Um, we started, the apprentice is there, uh, and his job is to cut the cork off of the wine bottles with a sword for Von Zeke's. Yeah. Um, so we mentioned, we, we start by talking about how the machine, it was exploited by an unknown party, uh, and that this is a different trial because we only know what actions that Hairbrain killed Asman and he was, cause he was the only one operating the machine in question. Uh, we're like, actually what we're proposing is that while he did do that, he was being, uh, deceived by a, a clever pair of fraudsters, Drebber with Asman. Drebber takes the stand and the jury seems to know that black monocle from somewhere and the judge brings up the waxwork theft and Drebber's like that has nothing to do with this trial because everyone goes to see the wax museum everyone's seen it so that's where they all acknowledge they, they've seen Drebber at the museum uh anyway he says the machine was made exactly to blueprints it works great um we reestablish he knows magic and science he's a bad dude but he's like I yeah but I know what I'm talking about I made I made a good machine the birdcage fell, and I swear, if you were going to ask me for a title of this case, it would be 30 feet or 9 meters. 30 feet or 9 meters head first. Because 
all every time in this case they mention they mention a foot to meters conversion. Every I got goddamn I got also time. really tilted with this, and I got a little bit obsessed with how tilted I was about this um, because I was like, I know that they're doing this because England uses the feet system. England has not yet adopted the metric system. Um, and in Japan, it's the metric system. And so I know, I know they did this for accessibility in Japan. However, I did look it up. And at this point, Japan had not adapt- adapted the metric system. So Ryunosuke and Sasada wouldn't be familiar with the metric system. I thought they were doing this as a localization tactic because for us, we, we in America use feet and everywhere else uses meters. <laughs> I was almost positive it was a joke on that because at this time, England hadn't adopted the metric system. I thought that was the joke. I don't know which way it actually is. I was just so mad. But in reality, Japan hadn't adopted the metric system at this time. No, but that's what they established that they don't know the metric system which is why they kept converting it, I thought. No, they don't know feet, which is oh, the yeah. imperial system. Right. The metric system is meters. Right, right, right. Oh, so sorry. That's why they kept doing it for themselves. I thought Britain to this day still used the metric system. They don't use Britain, the imperial system. Britain nowadays uses the metric system, but they didn't used to. Oh. So I don't know who they're trying to placate here or if it's this a joke. feels like a joke for no one. It's a joke for no one, or it's, it is a forced localization practice that was pissing me off. Yeah, or it's an accessibility thing. But yeah, they repeatedly, it's not like the first time that they say the X number of feet, which equals to X number of meters. They say it every time. It's literally every time. All right. Well, anyway, so what we do is we realize that the birdcage, they said it had it fell head first, but we looked at it and it fell bottom first. So we're arguing once again that this birdcage fell straight down into the stage and the real one fell head first from the pop's balloon. And Susato's like, this witness is clearly a swindler and one who deceives a personal friend of his, so what does Von Ziegs have to gain from this? And then Ryunosuke says, if you're going to establish th- this deception, do it right is the undertone here. And I do not know what the fuck that conversation was about. I thought it was kind of good, though, because I thought it was it was like Ryunosuke is finally starting to click with Von Ziegs and he can read him. So basically, like, Susato's like, why is he fighting so hard against us when we're right? And the answer is, Ryunosuke is like, Von Zeke's wants us to prove it 100%. He doesn't want us to be wrong in any respect. Like, he wants us to peg the entire process before we continue. Like, the entire correct process of what happened. Okay, well, that's fair. It just... The wording didn't land for me. And no, so I the was wording confused. was a little bit weird, but I was like, uh, I was like, Ryunosuke is trying, is starting to figure out how to read Von Zeke's. Like he's figured it. It's like when, you know how at the end of like Godot, uh, when Godot starts sort of helping you, but he can't tell you, like he's yeah. like put, not putting it on a silver platter, but he's like, if you did have a platter, this is, you know, like, don't yeah. get it wrong, buddy. So I, th- this is what I thought the was happening. And so, okay, that makes sense. So we keep pushing the, like, this was an elaborate trick, and everyone's like, it was really instant kinesis because the science was sound. And then we say that the bird, yeah, we did the birdcage uh, fell through this grid because we then show a picture of the, the stage post-explosion and the, the floor platform has been opened in. And that's the one that fell into the bottom. 
Montique says Drebber wasn't seen by anyone, however, at the stage, and there's no chance he could have switched the birdcage, and there's no proof of a second birdcage because it was blown up. Um, Drebber also has no motivation to kill Asmund because he has a really weird contract uh, that says he's only allowed to get 30% of the research grants and funds if they get them, if everyone's still alive. Well, only if Asmund and Drebber are still alive. Right, Which yes. was funny because Von Zeeks was like, this proves that he had no motive. And Drebber was like, yeah, this proves I would never kill him. And I was like, you know what that proves? This proves that Asmund thought you were going to kill him. Right. You wouldn't put a clause in a contract that says, oh, by the way, you won't get paid if I die. Unless you th- think this dude's going to kill you. So we're just like, well, we ha- we we know that there were two bird cages besides, like, all of this circumstantial evidence. So Drebber, if he wasn't there, must have had an accomplice. Yeah. Even though Drebber was seen the day before putting a crossbow near the stage. Yeah. Wh- wh- whatever, he had an accomplice. <laughs> whatever. So we're like, ah, his accomplice, Courtney Scythe, you know, the head of fit. Uh, she's the only person who was allowed to get close to the scene. She must have been an accomplice. So the police juror gets pissed at us. Yeah, everybody's pissed at us. But it, there's a bunch more evidence that actually points to her, so it was not that much of a surprise, in my opinion. Did we, were you thrown by this? I wasn't thrown that it was her. I was thrown by... It didn't feel organic in the chain of evidence that led to this. No, it didn't feel organic in the way that the case led up to it. But her name is on both autopsy reports, that's although what, one is her maiden name. Which I was, and that, then, I pieced that together quickly. So I had, a, that's why I wasn't surprised it was her. But in the game, we had not established anything to point our finger at her. No, but that's because they're not, re- I wish they had remarked on some more things because the birdcage with the cracked bottom wasn't there when we were there. And then it appeared later. And then the bomb that blew up the original, the last people to touch that was the fit team. Right. We so don't there was say a lot shit. of like they don't say that shit, but I, you know that they, they you have to put it together as the player. It did feel a little rude because if nobody had m- noticed those things, they'd be like, "What the fuck?" Yeah. Right. Um. So we we point her out, and that's that's all to me. It felt like a very like Ace Attorney loves its breadcrumbs, so it was very much a like no breadcrumb, yeah. no breadcrumb. Hey, can you just go to the next course? And you're like, oh, okay, sure. Um, but. This is the only, this is the first and only summation examination, and I was so glad that we didn't have them in this case except for the one. Yeah, I I thought it was adequately, like, it was not put too soon, it was put just, it was put in day two, it was totally acceptable where, where it was and how it went. The rest of them should be like this. Right. Oh, so, so then the police officer on the juror specifically gets really upset with us. Like, Courtney is, um, you know, super, is, like, superstar. She's done so much for the, for, for the police and all that stuff. Um, she, you know, like, how dare you do this? And we're like, well, you see. And he's like, also, you still haven't proven this body double thing. Because the forensic science team said there was only one set of fingerprints and it was Aspen's. And so we're like, well, we think we used this waxwork figure. And you know how we just had the head from the balloon? Somehow we have the whole ass body from the Waxwork Museum. The whole damn thing is set up in the middle of the courtroom, including the casket that he's climbing out of. I 
was, I mean, like, I was just like, what the fuck? We did not address Madame Tussfell about this. And also, how did we put that in Susato's shirt? We how did we get it here? Like, how did we set that? How long has it been here? Has it been here the entire yeah. trial? Uh, yeah, we set that up in lightning time when we don't have it. And Madame Tussfell's is not here because we have to subpoena her later. And it takes yeah. 45 minutes. So, I mean, whatever. I just made me laugh. Uh, so we present it, and it's the whole damn figure, not just the head. Drepper's really nervous, but he does he does a lot of just being sweaty and nervous and not explaining himself. Yeah. He doesn't say why he stole it, and that we know he returned it right. Like, we're like, he it disappeared right before the, the, the stage presentation, and it mysteriously, like, was being returned right after the demonstration. Hmm? And they're like, yeah, but this wax figure looks nothing like him. D- totally different builds. Clearly not the same face. And Von Zeke's is like, this is all stupid. And the jury's like, this is stupid. They all vote guilty. Yeah. Um, so we we get them to change their mind. Uh, and we find out here, Courtney used to be Stevens, got married and became Scythe. Uh, that connects her to the Waxworks Museum because her name is on the um, autopsy from the professor. She was yeah. the one who claimed him dead at midnight. Um, so that connects her to the waxwork and the professor of the professor and Trevor. She was the coroner and hanging. Um, so we changed some jurors' minds with that. We also showed the piece of glass proving the waxwork that was was at the Crystal Tower because had this big chunky piece of glass stuck in it. Uh, and the court corn child knows nothing but to listen to corn and the man of science next child. So that get that does something for us. Um, so we take a recess because then we have to subpoena, uh, we subpoena Madame Tuspell because it's her wax work. At recess, Sholm shows up and so does Dr. Scythe. She's like, Strongheart has forbidden me from being called to the stand, so you will not be able to get anything out of me in this Pandora's box known as the Professor's Case. Uh, she leaves. Sholm's just like, hey, don't lose sight of the truth, okay? Whatever you do, keep following the truth. All right, bye! All right, so 45 minutes later, uh, we go and Madame Tuspell is there. She takes the stand and she reminds us about the Tuspell's ways, which is to say they carve the faces of these murderers right after death. So they are wax prints they take of the murderers' faces and then they make these wax figures. She's carving a, a picture and they require similar assistance from living people they sculpt. Uh, she's sculpting Herlock's head currently on stand. Um, so she says that 10 years ago, she got the Grey Diver to help her after the professor. So she was up all night and she gives us a newspaper from 10 years ago detailing the scene that she made in her exhibit. She carved the killer's face, even though it was a national secret. No one knows his name or face. That was supposed to be a thing. Somehow, and I'd, I'd like to point out, Madame Tuspell was 16 10 years ago. She's, look, she's dedicated to her family. She uh, is 26 years old running this wax museum. Yeah. And no one is like, a 16-year-old was in a cemetery making a wax impression of a murder, of infamous murderer's face. Well, it gets worse, Stephanie. I know it gets, I know it gets worse. <laughs> it gets worse. They, well, they also sculpt, I mean, we'll get into the I, the rigor mortis part, I guess, which is that they, right. she was having trouble because they usually take all their prints or their, like, mold measurements of them after rigor mortis is set in, but the 
rigor mortis hasn't set in on this body yet. So it's the body of a infamous killer who's flopping around and shit while this 16 year old is struggling to make this mold of his face. Cause he couldn't, she couldn't quite get the chin to just behave. And rigor mortis usually sets in with the chin. Uh, it gets worse. No, yeah, it does. I'm just, I just want, I wanted the game to acknowledge that she was a child still basically in my mind. No, because Susano's 16. Right, 16 stops being a child in this game. 15, yep. though? Gina? Still a child. Yeah, it's weird. The, weird, yeah. It's, or it's sorry, weird. not. was it not Gina? Was it, um, was it the Russian ballerina? The Russian ballerina, I <laughs> She think, was 15. Yeah. Anyway, um, anyway, so it's just things that make me mad. Anyway, uh... <laughs> Ain't seen that Russian guy in a while, huh? Anyway, <laughs> what he's up going. to. Um, so, so she's having this thing, and so we're like, the time of death for this guy was midnight, and she was close to 4 a.m. when the sun was coming up doing this. So we're just like, hey, the coroner either falsified the time of death or was wrong, because if she was having trouble with the jaw, that was not, that was, that should have been more than three hours later. And so we're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. If you implicate the coroner, you're also implicating all the staff at the Barclay prison and all of the faith in the justice system. And we're saying what happened, that written, according to the written in the paper, this man came out of his grave, scared drubber, and was shot by a third party and killed. And that's why she had the trouble with the jaw. So like, Which uh, means that he was not dead. Which means he was not dead when he so was put the into the grave. So the 16-year-old was taking the print of the alive infamous murderer. Well, I think he was, the Drebber thing happened and then she took it? I was confused about this. No, the Drebber thing hadn't happened yet, I thought. Because she would have been there for it. This this was unclear, because I thought the Drebber thing happened, because then he was shot and killed. Then she came, took the impression of his face, coming morning, and then hoofed it out of there. Well, I mean, that's better than, because he was definitely dead after that. And she was sure he was dead. She was very adamant he was dead when she was doing the impressions. Yeah, I thought she was wrong. She knows more about being dead than the coroner does, apparently. Well, she would have got blood all over from the bullet wound, though. Yeah, she doesn't mention the bullet wound. And also, she, she, he, he went to the cops, and then the cops came back and, and confirmed he was in the grave. I think she took a print of the dude when he was still alive. Oh, no. Um, she definitely got it afterwards because he was dug up. Unless he was dug up and alive, and that's why Drebber was able to see him crawl out of his grave. That's why, because he was he was partially dug up. Anyway, we can move on. It's it's spookier if he was still alive, which is just crazy. Because why wouldn't the professor try to kill this French lady then, and the grave digger? I think that's what apparently the two final cases are going to be about. We'll find out. Okay, so sorry about the misunderstanding on my part. So anyway, so she's like, um, anyway. Uh, I had trouble with the jaw, and so we're like, look at this newspaper. This is the only paper that says Drubber's name, and that's how Trustbelt was able to find him, get the impression of his face from, t- you know, and then pay him for it. And now she has his wax figure as well. So we're just like, hmm, Von Zeke? And he, you know, wouldn't it be nice if we could confirm this with the coroner at the time? And Von Zeke's just like, yeah, fuck, fuck Strongheart. Call Dr. Sight to the stand. I was very psyched for this. I was like, hell yeah, Von Zeke. Hell yeah, Von Zeke. You know, he gets like this, like when, he, when it was yeah. the government secrets. So Von Zeke gets to a point where he's like, fuck the judge, fuck the rules. This is my courtroom. <laughs> and so Dr. Sith Dr. is like, um, we're like, hey, you pronounced the professor dead, but he wasn't because Drebber's eye on rise for his grave. And 
and he would then know you you lied you did not confirm him dead uh he was definitely still alive um and so he got you to agree with his elaborate scheme uh Drever doesn't want to tell us anything but he eventually says that uh he was originally at the cemetery for grave robbery and he actually never saw the professor. He just thought he did. He made up a story for the papers. And we're like, you can't backtrap on this. What? And he goes, yeah, I was trying to sell corpses. Uh, because this is very much a thing. Stephanie knows yeah. too much about Victorian this medicine. This is a thing. Uh, but yeah, so people would dig up graves and then sell them to universities for cadavers. And it was a huge problem at the time. Um, so, But it was a good way to make money because students were so fucking poor. And people in general were so fucking poor that they would willingly dig up corpses to sell to to universities and universities would buy them he's like yeah like i i never saw him and we're like well this article picture you said was drawn exactly from your description and the professor's wearing a mask in there so if you've never saw him before that's impossible you wouldn't know he was wearing a metal mask and driver's like uh uh a grave it was another grave robber i saw another med student would wear metal masks to protect them from bacteria dissections this is not true this is made up for the game I looked it up. <laughs> That's bullshit. No one wear full full face metal masks. There were some small small metal masks people could wear over their mouths, but they mostly didn't because they were very, very expensive. Most people did rags or plague doctor's masks. Stephanie yeah. is too much about Victorian medicine. Uh, this is where he has the statement like, there was no gunshot, right? Right. There was no gunshot. And Madame Tuspel's like, oh, no, that's not true. You told it to me in great detail. It spattered blood all over you. And we're like, oh, and she's like, uh-huh. And I also bought the camera you were wearing uh, because I wanted to replicate the authenticity. So we look at the camera, we open it up, and there is blood on the camera. Von Zeke sees it from across the room, so he knows there's blood on the camera. And Courtney's like, well, I could tell you if it's blood, but I couldn't tell you if it's human or animal blood. But yeah, I guess I could tell you if it was blood. <laughs> um, so Trevor's like complaining, like playing dumb, like he's trying to protect something. We're like, are you protecting Dr. Sith Scythe over here? Are you protecting her? And then she was forced to agree with you about all this, like, circumstantial evidence that so you could, you know, like, that she was lied about the autopsy and all that stuff. Um, so we're just like, well, who shot the bullet then? Like, who's crazy? Who shot the bullet? Uh, and then we're just like, um... Uh, you know, we don't know that, but you know what we can do? Because, like, we're, this is all circumstantial. We can tell you that, um, oh, if you look closely at the picture of the newspaper, Asman was the one who drew it. Asman was the one who wrote the article. He was the one who named Drebber in the article. Drebber had to drop out of school after this. Yeah, oh, this sh- article ruined his life. This article ruined his life. Odie Asman ruined Drebber's life. Holy shit. And so... Um, we got a motive. We got a motive. And then Courtney's like, Miss Courtney's like, okay, fine. I confess to everything. Everything you said is true. And so she's like investigating the scene. Find, we found the waxwork with a note in it detailing everything I should do with threat revealing what happened 10 years ago. And Drebber refuses to confess to anything at this point. And Sith is just like, Von Zeke, this is all in your hands now. And the judge is like, all right, well, this is Hairbrain's child, not Drebber's. He doesn't have to confess to anything because he's not. Scythe confessing to being Drebber's accomplice, though, absolves Albert of the crime. So we're about to ready to pass down a verdict. And we're like, no, we want, this is fishy. Yeah, we we stop our our not guilty because we're like, one more thing, though. One more thing. And everyone's like, you're insane. And we're like, yes, anyway. Sith 
please tell us the details of the case. So she's like, fine. I went below the stage. I did everything the note said. I had my team on it. They are the only people who knew and they did under my orders. I went down below to stab the victim. And when we look at the stab wound, um, we're like, no, he, the blood is dripping down from the stab wound. If he had fallen through the stage in the birdcage, it would have been laying flat and the blood would have like evenly spread out. Instead, what we notice is it drips down. So he must have been standing up. Um, so we're like, Dr. Scythe, are you lying to us? Uh, and so we're like, was he alive after that fall? And as he got up, you stabbed him? And Drebber's like, holy shit. It's, it, Dr. Scythe is like, well, what's my motive? I have no motive. And we're like, actually, we do. We 500 realize, scalpels. We realize that you have been buying 500 scalpel, scalpels a month, which is a resharpenable object. And that you actually have been being blackmailed by Doc, by Osman, and that's what your your money's been going to. We think that be, that he learned your secret 10 years ago and kept that blackmail up this whole time. And so you were more than willing to stab him in the chest. And so she, she doesn't have a break. She just Nobody says... Nobody has a break. No one has a break anyway, in this Anyway, what does she say? She says, you'll never understand none of you what we had to cover, keep keep covered all those long years. And that's the closest to any actual confession we get from her. So the machine's blown up. We'll never learn the truth. Uh, and doc, uh, and uh, Drebber won't really confess. Um, uh, because he's like, I don't have to confess to anything. Because the machine's broken. But, we re- but he kind of does say he did it for revenge. Because a dumb scientist will always chase their dreams. And so he makes, he makes their their equipment he does trickery to get money because he was ruined and and so other people like don't deserve it basically and we're like well shame on you your life was ruined and then you ruin albert's just the way that you you say everyone else ruined yours and he all he does is bow his head in shame yeah that's his break is he just kind of bows his head shamefully and then uh not guilty and not guilty okay we 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 are like Albert, you know, believe in science in your dreams. He's so thankful. Vanzi comes and hangs out and he goes, I bought you a ticket to Germany. You're immediately leaving. We're going to protect you from the Reaper. Because he's like, no, I want to see the Expo. It's a once a lifetime opportunity. He goes, no. And he's like, Albert, get the fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of here. So it's unclear if the, it's unclear on the reason, like what the Reaper's thing is. If the truly innocent, because Gina's still alive, uh, are spared. But she's got to get out of country. But uh, she's still in country. Yeah, but Gregson's gonna has has some amount of need to get her out of the country. Correct. So like, there's still there's a plan, and then we know so Seki's out of the country and doing fine. So the hope is the Reaper can't go over uh, can't cross running water, <laughs> like a vampire. <laughs> um, and so he goes, okay, uh, I'll take you back to prison now, uh, Albert, so we, we can release you. Uh, anyway, meet me. Hey, you know, re- meet me in the courtroom in ten minutes. So we go into the courtroom. We all stand on our appropriate sizes. Von Zeke's like, you want to know why I've been racist? The the professor's still here. The professor's still here. He's like, do you want to know why I'm racist? Have you wondered why? He goes, I thought you were just racist. Or you just hated me. But I think it goes deeper than that. And we're like, yeah. You know my dead brother? Of course you do. Uh, he, <laughs> he was, uh, you know, involved in establishing all this stuff justice systems in foreign countries and exchange programs. Three judicial students came to Britain. Dr. Mikotobo was there. I was just a young lad at the prosecution offices, and I had a good impression of the Japanese. 
And then six years later, my brother was killed. And it was during the Anglo-Japanese Treaty of Friendship and Navigation, uh, which is a real thing. Um, and then we get a cutscene, but it's not a real cutscene. I well, uh, well, yeah. Von Zeeks is like, let me show you the the. So we start getting voice acting. The... That's what we yeah. Get. We do get the voice acting. We get voice acting, and you still have to hit A to progress the dialogue, but people are moving, like, on screen and stuff. Yeah. So it's almost like a cutscene. Uh, but it's not anime. Remember anime cutscenes? They don't happen anymore. <laughs> no, we don't. We didn't know. No, we can't. We have to do breakdancing instead. Um, so we... We talk about the wax figure, and he has the key, because Madame Tuspel has the, gave him the key, and uh, he takes off the mask to reveal a man... And it turns out he's Japanese. Um, and this incites a scream from the assistant who has just been standing there. He rips off his cape and his takes off his mask. And it's Kazuma. It's and he's Kazuma. regained his memories. And this is where I assume we switch to Japanese. And he, um, he calls the wax figure father. And Susato was like, oh, I thought he like... So I was like, this man looks familiar. The screaming happens. He goes, father. And... He, and then he's like, oh, thanks for watching my sword. And then he takes it and slices the wax figure, which I, I think is... I spent the entire cutscene being like, don't give him that sword. Don't give it to him. Don't give him that. <laughs> well, they did. And I'm just so mad at the disrespect to Madame Tuspel that just occurred. Well, he chopped that in half in anime style where it's a clean break and then the shoulders kind of fall off. And I was like, she can fix that. She can absolutely fix it. It's just the disrespect of it her It is art. disrespectful, but yeah, he, he cuts... And also there's metal in there. Yes. We know there's metal in there, but I guess that just means the sword real sharp. Uh, yeah. But yeah, he cuts it in half and he's like, bye. Yeah, so he's just like, all right, we have much to talk about, but now is not the time. And he leaves. And then we cut to Baroque just being like, mm, thanks for coming, and he leaves. <laughs> well, he does say like... <laughs> This fucking, the shadow of the fucking murder of my brother will never leave me alone, I guess. Bye. Right. And Susato's like, wow, 10 years ago, I met my dad for the first time. And, uh, you know, I had to start getting used to have a dad. And he called me to his study and said that his friend had died in London and left a son behind. His son was seven years older than me. And he made a promise to his father. And that's when he started studying to become a lawyer. And that's why I became a judicial assistant to help him. Um... So, so that's, that's the history of Kazuba, Kazuba's dad, Baroque von Ziegs, and Susato. And we're just his best friend. Yeah. Anyway, that's the case. Anyway, that's the case. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I couldn't make it shorter. That's okay. Um, I didn't hate this case. I didn't hate this case. I didn't hate this case. I didn't enjoy Hairbrain. I, there are ways I could have enjoyed him more, but I didn't enjoy him. But also, he was luckily not in it that much. Yes. I thought Hairbrain was very uh, annoying in the first half, and then he stopped being so much involved. And then when he was around in the second half, I didn't mind him. Yeah. I didn't like him, but I didn't mind him. Yeah. And then everybody else was great. I do think that, you know, I was disappointed that, again... You know, Scythe is bad and also was black, a woman in power who was blackmailed into doing a crime like Lana Sky. You know, uh, like, I, I was just like, But damn. once again, I like her a lot still. But I do like her. Yeah. I like Sith a lot. I like Madame Tuspel a lot. 
I do like her. I like her. Like that magician juror. He's that magician good. Magician juror is good. I liked the lady on the juror. I. I, I, I didn't problem. hate her. I didn't hate her. Like, I didn't... The only juror I hated was the child with the <laughs> corn. The corn child. Um, the corn child I did not like um, because she... The corn child raises so many questions about child abuse, like you were saying, uh, of the system that, that she makes me uncomfortable. Every other juror, great. Perfect. Love them. Great. Yeah. So nice to see new jurors for yes. once. Love a new juror. Um, Sith also had a theme song that I enjoyed. I It's not, like, remarkable, but I enjoyed it still. Um, but they don't play it in court. <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, the things that I had issues with, though, in terms of gameplay was I had another glitch. And uh, the game doesn't flow very well if you don't investigate things exactly like the game wants you to. Yeah. That is true. So, like, the whole graveyard scene where I first investigated the the cutout of Drebber, then you look at his face and all that stuff, and then you kind of, like, look at the rest of the scene, it doesn't work as well. The other thing I'll say is that the thing I got hung up on was that there are there's a time in this case where you have to update a piece of evidence twice. And I was trying to go fast and not press statements when I didn't need to, so when I had to present the bloody camera, I thought... I've got the camera, I've got the blood, this is the statement, and it wasn't the fucking statement, and I had to look up a walkthrough to figure out that I had to press a different statement to get the camera to update a different time. And that made me angry. Wait, what, <laughs> like, did, the, what did it update on the camera the second time? That it was the, so you have the blood already, you have to update that it was owned by Drebber. I don't think I had to press it a second time to do that. I had to press Madame Tussbell's you had to press a separate time. Yeah, okay, that's right. In that's a separate right. statement that otherwise I would have never pressed. Yeah, okay, no, that's right. Because that's, that was, I ran into the same issue, was not that, like, I was like, I knew it was the camera, but at that time I was already using the walkthrough to figure out how much time I had left to play because I was running out of time. And so that's why I was just like, that's a weird statement to press. I was going to do this other statement that made more sense. So, okay, that makes more sense. Yeah. I so it it's, so I wasn't using the walkthrough up until I presented the camera wrong a couple of times. And I was like, what the fuck is it? But um, for the most part, I like this The one. walkthrough is how I knew there was two more cases. <laughs> damn. Damn. I, I thought we were teed up for a final case and it was going to be a great time. Um, but... You know, I guess we'll have to... Is one of them going to be a filler case? Jesus Christ. I don't think so. But we'll find out. I don't think so. Uh, Von Zeeks is fucking... Von Zeeks is fucked. Like, uh, Strongheart's the the new bad bad guy, I'm oh, sure. Von Zeeks is... I mean, sorry, Strongheart is Gant. Like, that's... Strongheart is Gant. Lana is, you know, Scythe is Lana. Lana. And then the the fact that Von Zeeks called her to the... Because she was supposed to be in, in Strongheart's, like, destined future where forensic science rules. She's second in command for him. And mm-hmm. so the fact that now she's going to prison... Oh, Von Zeeks is fucked. He's fucked so bad. Uh, so anyway... And we lost his assistant. <laughs> yeah, his assistant's gone rogue. We don't know what his... Whether he's gonna go murderer or he's gonna... Uh, not I don't know. go murderer. The implications that I don't know. I don't know what is gonna happen with the Kazuma stuff. Mm-hmm. Now that he remembers, he's mad at his dad because he sliced him, but he be- made a promise to come. So I am very fearful that the plot is his dad was wrongfully accused of these murders. Well, somebody let the dad live, 
right? Right. Be- but then someone and shot then him, which we somebody never Somebody shot out. him. Somebody let him live and somebody shot him. Yeah. But so we're he- going to have to figure that out in one of these cases, is who really killed Cosmo's dad. But you're right. It's probably going to be the case that Cosmo's dad was not actually the murderer. It's either, but it's either that or Cosmo is now learning his dad was a murderer and that's why he screamed and sliced him. Unclear his reaction to it all. We also yeah. need to figure out about Jezebel Brent Ashin. We gotta deal with the Reaper. Uh, so there's still a lot to unpack, but we'll see how it goes over two cases. Yeah. Or we'll if one see. case is not necessarily as embroiled. Unclear. And Professor Mikotoba and what his guilt is in this whole thing. And where's right. the dog? And the dog. Where's the murder dog? And when are we going to tell Iris about her dad? And who was the third Japanese student? Who was the third Japanese student? So we'll find out these things, I'm sure. Uh, but if if Baroque Bonzix is not dead by the next case, uh, he's going to be... Uh, Probably our client with well, how these games go. Well, Michelle, he's already dead. He's a vampire. Oh yeah, he's a va- He's undead. That's rude of me. <laughs> um. Uh, yeah. I. I think I was just trying to jam through it so bad. So when I when you meet Drebber, I really really got mad. Uh, I, I started hating his roboticness later. It just because it takes so long. It didn't bother me as the length of it didn't bother me so much as having to listen to the robot noises every time. Oh, okay. That makes sense. I, I didn't... But his monocle spin is a very long animation. He seems to treat being an engineer as like a lesser science, which I find very insulting for engineers. <laughs> yes. The other thing, too, that drove me crazy was this game did not want to get engage in actual science. No. So all Albert keeps saying is my hypothesis. My hypothesis is sound. My hypothesis. That I fucked me it. up too. I was so, I was like, you don't That's even bad actually science. have one. That's bad science. A hypothesis should be provable and provable wrong. They were just trying not to engage in the conversation of science. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's just lazy because he should have been saying like my theory or he should have been saying like my I don't want to say it again, but IP, like my intellectual property, right? <laughs> like, right. Like, but if for science, he wouldn't call it his intellectual property, but he would have been like my patent rights, right? Like he, you know, like it's not a high, it's not your hypothesis. My thesis. Right? <laughs> um, yeah. But anyway, it's all right. Yeah, Albert left and it's, yeah, he'll go back to Germany and I guess marry into the Von Karma family or some <laughs> shit. I don't know. <laughs> Oh, that make that makes sense, yeah. And then Francesca can be uh, embarrassed by her, or or the Clavier <laughs> Gavin family because he's blonde. Uh, I would not be surprised if there was watered down blonde in the Von Karma family. Actually, yeah. I think I've always pictured Mrs. Von Karma as a blonde. She, yeah, Hairbrain can be Mrs. Von Karma's maiden name. <laughs> Damn. Damn. Ah, uh, what a connection. Anyway. Um, yeah, I think that the extent of my gripes in terms of the actual game is the overarching problems, like you said. The big Courtney problem, the... I'm not even mad that this case took so long, because it needed to be that long. 
this one did need to be that long. And so as much as I was like, Jesus Christ, a second day, uh, it did need to be two days. It, it was, did need two it days. Was, so I'm yeah. not even mad about that. The, I guess the only thing I'm not happy with is now I'm not, like, I'm not clear. Was he dead? And then Tuspel took the impress- impressions? Or I'm hoping we find that out at this point. If they like, clear that up. Was it before or after? <laughs> yeah, we'll have to figure that out when we figure out who really shot him. Yeah. So um, Anyway... I think right. that's, that's it. Let's wrap up. This is a two-hour episode. Yeah. Thanks for sticking through it. Uh, love to hear what you guys think. What You know, all the usual stuff. We'll be back with some bullshit next month. Uh, just to just to have a little bit of a breather. And then the month after that's December. So, you know, we usually try to do something different for Christmas. But we'll see. No promises. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. And uh, you can send us an email, objectivespodcast.com. You can find us on Tumblr, objectivespodcast.tumblr.com. Uh, thanks, Michelle, for the garbage at the end. Thanks, Dark Shadow Rage 2, off our theme song, Hey, Pal, Detective Gum- Gumshoe Remix. Off Get the us YouTube's. on Stitcher, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts. Leave us a comment. Uh, we, we live on Podbean now. Uh, yeah. That's it. That's it. That's really all you need to know. Anyway, uh, catch you on the flip side. I'm Stephanie. I'm Michelle. And that was object to this, so why don't you object to that? <laughs>